0: This is Ingewikkeld Sessions, the podcast. Organized by Ingewikkeld, each month you'll get a live stream on YouTube and a podcast on the same topic. The topic is always related to software development in one way or another. If you don't want to miss a thing, subscribe to both our YouTube channel and podcast. Let's start. Um, Hello, and welcome at this Ingewikkeld podcast about testable code. Um, Today, I'm going to talk with uh, Tiago about uh, the uh, concepts behind our um, session last, uh, well, uh, two weeks ago already. Two weeks, <laughs> yeah. Um, so m- maybe Tiago, uh, you can introduce yourself uh, for a moment and explain something about what we actually did with uh, during this session. Um, so please go ahead.
1: Yeah. So... Um My name is Tiago. I'm uh, one of the Ingewikkeld employees, just like you. Um, And uh, two weeks ago, (laughs) I thought it was one week ago, but time goes by fast. Uh, Two weeks ago, we had a session uh, about testable code. Uh, And in the session, we had our demo project, which was called My Movies, or My Favorite Movies, uh, which was just uh, a dummy project uh, with some uh, code that was written in a certain way which wasn't really testable. And then we both created some pull requests uh, to um, improve on this and to make the code more testable and also write the tests in them uh, as well. So we had a few cases where, uh, for example, we introduced uh, dependency injection, which helped testing. Um, There was uh, one occasion where uh, a a daytime object was used where we introduced uh, a clock Um, and also some general refactoring uh, mainly just uh, writing more um, solid code basically and uh, and how that affected the testability. so
0: uh, yeah. Well, and apart from the fun we had during this session, there was a lot of uh, interesting stuff in there. If you uh, are interested in uh, watching this session again, you uh, can find some more information about that on uh, our website, ingevical.dev slash sessions. If you uh, become a Patreon, you will be able to watch all the sessions uh, we recorded in the past, um, including this one. (coughs) So... Um, One of the things uh, we talked about was um, when to use interfaces and how you could use them to to make your code more testable. Um, Could you please um, uh, repeat why interfaces are important for for testability?
1: Yeah, so um, within the session, uh, we had uh, a sort of a client that connected to uh, the TMDB movie service. And we extracted an interface of that uh, so that we could introduce new clients, an IMDB client or whatever, which still had the same, well, interface, still had the same methods and same arguments. um, So it would be more uniform. But uh, in the sense of testing, uh, interfaces also uh, help a lot in the sense that they define kind of... um, the, the the input and output that you can expect from a certain class, and then everything that implements the interface, of course, um, you kind of assure that. Yeah,
0: they, it, it's they, something like a contract, right?
1: It's something like a contract, exactly. So, uh, and if it's a, if it's a contract, then you can test that um, the classes implementing that contract actually uh, do what the contract says. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I, I remember that we we also talked about the the, the PSR standards, which are uh, providing all kinds of, of uh, uh, contracts. Um, right. We talked about the clocked uh, interface, which is the newest PSR in the PSR family, um, and basically this contract is a very small uh, contract, just re- returning date time objects. Right. Um, but it's 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 really helpful to to. Uh, have a workaround for for the testability of of daytime uh, objects in your uh, in your code. Um, so that, that's another thing where I think uh, um, uh, contracts will help to to replace um, uh, certain factories or or uh, implementations in your uh, in, in your code during the the test.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So. It helps on, on, on the contract and defining and introducing new, um, uh, types of objects. So you have another adapter thing, uh, that can do the same thing for a different, uh, um, backend, right. but it also helps to replace behavior during your tests. Um, right. and I think we did that also with some mocking.
1: Uh, yeah, we did some uh, mocking in the, in the session, um, like you said, uh, interfaces are really easy to mock because, uh, well, the interface describes what should be the input and the output. Yep. So if you uh, mock an interface, you get well exactly what any implementation of the interface should look like. Um, and they have uh, an, an extra advantage that uh, if you have, for example, an, an interface as an argument somewhere, uh, yeah. so a class accepts a certain interface and then does something with that class, and then something. (laughs) You get results, basically. Um, If you mock an interface and you just basically implement the methods or mock the methods that the interface uh, describes, um, you're actually testing a certain interface. So if by any chance um, you accept an interface as an argument, but instead uh, some class gets... uh, Gets uh, injected in there, which has more methods or different methods yeah. than the actual interface. Um, it would, the test would fail because you're only mocking the interface itself. Yeah. Um, so you're you're just testing the contract as it's described and not adding any more functionality. Yeah. That should be in there by chance.
0: Uh, should Should I mock all or well? No, not not mock, but. Um have interfaces for all my classes in my, my project?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, it depends, I guess. Um, it's In some cases, uh, it's really clear that there should be an interface. For example, in the, the example we, we took in the session yeah. where um, we have an implementation for uh, IMDB or TMDB, yeah. but it should work in the same fashion with different clients, then an interface is, is pretty obvious um but maybe if you have like uh i don't know a calculator class that so just yeah. takes in two numbers and adds them mm-hmm. would it would it be necessary to have a, an interface i mean you could argue uh you would need an interface in some cases but then again if it's it's such a simple class yeah maybe not so
0: so so you think um i i think we also showed that during the session that um you, you don't have to um replace all classes uh you're using with uh with mocks uh right. and it's okay to to use in um well to use um the the real implementations in some situations right. uh like we had with the value object um yeah, uh, you you should not replace the value object because it's a value. Um, we're not going to replace the the strings in 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 PCP as well because um, they are from the outside. Uh, yeah. We we accept it, that we have some certain level of primitives in our code that are there. Um, so it's okay to to have have some classes, especially value objects. I think uh, without interfaces. Yeah, and maybe you should not even have. Test doubles in your uh, in, in your test base for those classes because you don't want to have different behavior on on a date time object.
1: Well, that's a that's a valid point. I mean, um, we're talking about unit tests here, so you're testing uh, like a certain class that uses value objects as arguments, but you're not actually testing the value object. You're mm-hmm. testing the class itself. Yeah. Uh, so at what point? Um, does your test also cover kind of the value object? And other, but yeah, it's um, well, I, I've seen both cases. Let me let me uh, describe it like this. So uh, in some cases, it makes sense to just use the value object. Mm-hmm. But I've seen uh, classes where actually the value object had some logic in it as well. For example, um, if you have a, a first name and a second name, uh, then it has a method get full name, for example, and then it, it adds those together, which is a simple example, but you can imagine uh, this concept can go way beyond uh, something as simple as this. Yeah. So at some point, you're just testing how these two classes kind of interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's just the, the main class you want to test, then maybe a mock would suffice. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it kind of depends on the situation, of course. But
0: uh, okay. Um well maybe that's enough about, about the interfacing part um, uh, for, for now. Um there there's a lot of more to discuss about this topic and especially yeah, there are a lot of hours. opinions out there um about this specific uh subject in in, in software development. Um, we also talked about um mocking. Um, and I know there are some differences between mocks and stubs um, and also people that are arguing that you should never use any mocks in your uh, in your test base right um, so what, what's the can you explain what's the difference between a mock and a,
1: and a stub? I think the main difference is a stub is just a replacement of the class that you would normally use, mm-hmm. um, which can have some behavior, but it's just a replacement. Yeah. And a uh, mock can actually accept uh, expectations, or you can set up expectations within the mock. So, for example, you expect that a certain method is called or something like that. With, yep. And with the stop, you just say, instead of this normal class, just use a, a stop version and uh, don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. So the the stub one is more like um, I have an implementation for uh, backend uh, A and, uh, and another implementation for backend B. But this backend B uh, implementation is just used dur- during my tests, so I don't have to. Uh, well, and it will always return the same values uh, right. for each call, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, they they are. Faster and easier to maintain than mocks probably. Uh easier to read because it's closer next to your uh to sure. your code. Um
1: mocking is also a bit of magic for people, I think. Um, um, well it can get uh pretty magic. I mean uh you can use a very simple mock, which yeah. is just one expectation, but mm-hmm. you can also have like a tree of expectations that return other mocks and it, it gets complicated quite fast. So yeah.
0: Yeah, but if, if it gets complicated, that that might also be a smell in your code, right? Probably, yeah. So, uh, w- since this session was about testable code, if <laughs> uh, I, I remember that we ha- um, in the past that we um, or I did implement some uh, some mock that uh, for a service provider, um, so you could. Um, do a call on the service provider give me this service and that would return that and on that service was used in my classes um, right uh, so I have to I had to implement this uh, this mock in almost every test because this service container was everywhere right um, and then I learned that I should just extract the service container from the uh, from the actual consumer class and just inject the services in there right. without. Uh, uh, um
1: and it made my test uh, much more readable. Yeah, I, I I think I've encountered the same thing. Uh, back in the Symphony 2 days, I guess it was, uh, it was uh, normal practice to just get a service container out of nowhere and then get some services from it. Uh, but nowadays it's, uh, well, dependency injection is way more the standard. So yeah. uh, you just inject the services you actually need uh-huh. and then you only have to, mock those or stop those yeah. uh, which makes testing a lot easier
0: yeah yeah i i think we didn't cover this topic but i remember that some frame fr- frameworks are very um heavy based on on um, static uh, methods that would be able to right. return um some certain uh value i remember from uh, from the past that, um, that the Zen Framework 1 um, had something with the, the Zen Registry class, which was uh, some kind of magic yeah. provider, which was just everywhere. It was just global available. <laughs> I um, remember, yeah. <laughs> um, and those classes were not even testable uh, because you couldn't replace those static methods.
1: Right. Well... Yes and no. I mean, um, Laravel, for example, uses the same um, mechanic for for Eloquent, which is their database uh, mapping. Um, And actually, there are functions in there that you can use to mock. So uh, as it's a static class, you can call uh, a certain method on it and... um, it's it's it will return the, the singleton value so it, oh, it, it, it's a long story but yeah in any case you can with some magic you can still um, mock functionality but it's 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 a harder to do and mm-hmm. B, also less uh, obvious I mean if you have a test and you you create a stub there and insert it into your class it's very obvious what is is going on there yeah uh, but if you have to instantiate a singleton with which kind of replaces itself with the stub and then use that one because it's called statically it's i'm completely lost right now i can imagine yeah (laughs) Uh, especially when you're debugging this kind of uh, tests, test it's it's hard to do so yeah um when when we're talking about writing testable code um yeah, this is also one of those. Uh, one of those. Things. Yeah, but
0: uh, we, we also discussed that the the uh, making your test more uh, te- uh, well making your code more testable also uh, helps to make your code more readable. Right. Um, and I think the same thing applies on your tests. Your tests should be just be readable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's um, if it's complex to to understand your um, your tests. Um, how do you ever figure out where the bug is? Is the bug in your code or is it in the test? Right. Um, So just keep it clean and and, uh, lean. Um, uh, At least that's my opinion on on tests.
1: I totally agree. I I normally use uh, well descriptive test function names, which already kind of indicate what the point of the test is. Mm-hmm. And also you can just, it's just code, the the test code. So yeah. you can still use private methods or extract some logic into a different class or yeah. like a factory method if you want to stop the same thing over and over. Yeah, uh, it, It's all just PHP code. So make that code readable as well. And it will really help uh, not just the test itself, but also getting the point across of what you're actually testing. Yeah, yeah. And
0: I think one, one thing would be nice to, to mention here as well is that it's okay to to apply design patterns in your tests as well. There's no reason to copy-paste uh, your test code right. around. Like you see mm-hmm. in many projects, It's lots of duplicated code in your tests. Uh, please just use the proper um, design patterns you know and you apply in your right. uh, in your production code on your tests as well. That will definitely help to make your... Uh, Test code more testable,
1: maybe? Well, you, you won't test the test code, but... Uh, well, it's, it's more readable for humans. Yeah. That's basically. basically yeah. uh, a big advantage, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, one, one thing we, we didn't discuss during the session was the, um, uh, the topic of, of test-driven de- development. Right. Um we we just started refactoring stuff without having any tests, uh which is always a well a kind of dangerous thing to do <laughs> because well uh, you um of course you want to have some safety lifeline on on right. uh what you are doing with your production code. And one nice approach would be test driven development. Could you briefly introduce what test driven development actually is?
1: Well, uh, a long story short, test-driven development is basically just writing the test first to uh, set up your expectations Mm -hmm. and then implementing the actual class. Um, So you write the test and you write out what you expect from the certain class. And then if you run the test, of course, it will just fail because the class doesn't implement everything yet or isn't even set up yet. Mm -hmm. Then when you start implementing um, the class, you can... Uh, run your tests over and over and, and once you implement more and more of the actual thing that you are asserting, yeah. uh, at some point the test will just completely uh, be successful and then you have implemented everything you need.
0: If your requirements were complete, right?
1: Yes, that's the that's the big thing. Um, which is, I guess, the case for for all tests but you need to make sure you're testing all, you're covering all your um required scenarios so Mm -hmm. you don't you don't just follow the happy path with uh i if i put in this then i expect this back and then be done with it yeah you should also write tests for um if this certain case happens then uh, i expect an exception or it should handle it gracefully or whatever Um, so you should write that all out in advance and then implement a class Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah,
0: and I think one one of the most important things with test driven development is that you do it step by step, right? Um right. not try to write all tests first uh and then start implementing something. You have to do it step by step and keep on improving and I think that's one of the major key um pillars of of the of this whole approach of, of writing testable code
1: uh yeah yeah I, I mean in practice yes this will probably be the way uh, to go um if you just have a very simple class which has just one simple function maybe yeah. you can just think of all the tests in advance but uh yeah yeah okay. it depends on the class of course i i think
0: doing it, doing it in a test driven way would also help to um uh to to start refactoring right because I don't have a, a if I have a code base that I want to start testing, I could just start writing uh, a single test um, right. which ensures that um, the the existing behavior will still work after I'm done and then starting refactoring stuff to um, to do more uh, to be more testable uh,
1: yes well that that's one way I mean if you're Refactoring to be more testable, I guess at first your test will be maybe a bit messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not that testable yet. But uh uh but yes, this is this is one way to sort of guarantee that the code that you change will still act the same way yeah. um after you're done refactoring. But the key here is of course uh testing all scenarios and all cases, because if you just test the happy flow. Uh, it will probably still work the same, but there are always exceptions, and and what will happen in those cases?
0: Yeah, we didn't discuss about anything about when to stop testing um, and uh, what we actually should test, because we're, we're talking about testable code, and and um, of course um, you could try to reach a hundred percent code coverage, but is that the goal or?
1: Another good question. Well, I've seen teams where code coverage was like the holy grail. I mean, uh, if it if they reached a hundred percent code coverage, then uh, you know everyone was done. happy, and, <laughs> and then done. you're done. You you can go home happy and uh, okay, yeah. But um, then again, I've also seen companies with with like thirty or forty percent code coverage, and they were very happy with it because. Uh, at least the, the main uh the main classes or the main uh flows were tested yeah um which is just if if that works then it's good enough and uh and uh, then again i've also seen zero tests yeah <laughs> of course zero coverage so you, you see that a lot <laughs> <laughs> you tend to see that a lot um so it kind of depends uh what your goal is if me personally i aim towards Uh, a higher code coverage Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily aim towards a hundred percent because there are always cases which are either hard to test or don't make that much sense to test I mean uh, yeah you could write unit tests for for everything uh, just to get the coverage up yeah Um, but uh, that's not the, the goal of testing I guess what 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 is for you the goal of testing in
0: in that case?
1: Well, I would say the goal of testing is uh, asserting behavior. So um, and also um, to have uh, a set of assertions so that when you change something mm-hmm. in class A, you know that class B will still be working as it did before. So yeah, it's kind of uh, a, a, well, it's not a guarantee, but uh, some insurance of of the quality of your code that it will still act the same way as it as it did before
0: okay yeah um and then back to the question what uh when when to stop testing um that's basically when uh when you are sure enough that things will not break or
1: (laughs) i guess yes well this is also it, it depends on uh, the company, of course, but also uh, the code itself. Uh, yeah, I mean, testing obviously takes time. I mean, you need this is also code you need to write, and yeah. then uh, well, running the tests is, is usually pretty, uh, pretty, pretty fast. But uh, mainly writing the tests and also writing tests for not just the, the happy flow case, but also all the exceptions that potentially could happen. Yeah, this just, just takes a lot of time and a lot of. Code, um,
0: but it also requires maintenance, right? So it's, it's exactly uh, uh, it's not that you, some investment that you do up front and then you never have uh, you don't have to look back anymore. Um, huh. it, yeah, you you still have to uh, to maintain the code like you do with the production code,
1: right? So I guess it depends on on the on the team you're in or the mm-hmm. company uh, how much time and effort is allowed to to spend uh doing testing yeah um but i wouldn't say this is a as a management decision or anything i think it's mostly a team decision because um well if you're management you just expect that the code that is it being d- written uh always works it should that work. just do the job it should just do the job yeah. and uh, you should just spend as le- least time as possible uh, building it and then it should always work and uh yeah but of course as a developer i think it's your um it's it's part of your role uh to um to guarantee this by adding tests so mm-hmm. uh there's always this balance between time and and <laughs> and money and um, money and yeah yeah yeah
0: okay so it, it really depends on your situation uh, when to stop testing, uh, but mainly uh, it's a team decision to, um, to to see where the maximum of, of test levels is.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think I would say so. I, yeah. um, of course, it also depends on um, how critical the classes in your application are maybe mm-hmm. like if you're doing uh, financial transactions, you want to make them sure that <laughs> that the code that's doing the transaction, the actual transaction is, is watertight. It, it yeah. should not have any bugs in them whatsoever. Uh, but if it's just, uh, I don't know, some, uh, side Broch. function. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a blog with, with, a with a small function. And, and if it's breaks, uh, you know, it, it's of course. It's always sad to see something break, but it doesn't cause immediate fires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, then of course, then it, it, the urge to test it is is a bit less. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but it's a, it's a it's a balancing act, I guess. Okay.
0: We had just one topic and on our list uh, for today, and that was the different levels of of, inter, uh, of testing. Um, during the session, we, we introduced unit tests. Um, and of course, there are multiple levels of, testi- uh, of testing that people could use. Um, can we briefly discuss something about that part? Um, sure. Uh, what, what kind of tests do we have?
1: Well, there are lots of kinds of tests, and actually some people call them differently. So I'm, there there is some overlap, but uh, uh-huh. in my mind at least, there's uh, unit testing, which we've yeah. Covered in the session is just testing the smallest uh, possible piece of logic uh, that you can. Then, uh, a step above that is integration testing, which is how different parts of code integrate, basically. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, not just a single class, but uh, a bunch of classes together if they uh, behave in a certain way. Yeah. And then above that, um, there's, well, I usually call it functional testing. Um, which is, well, if you have, for example, an API, just uh, calling an endpoint and seeing what the response is and uh, you you test basically the entire path from from input to output. Yeah, Um, so
0: you basically spin up the full system in that that scenario. Right,
1: yeah. So if it's uh, a project with um, a config in there as well, you also make sure that uh, the config is uh, how you expect it to be, like in a production environment, Uh, and then you can uh, yeah, test that all parts are working together as they should. Yeah. And I think even above that, um, which some people, I guess, also call function and testing, it's what I call <laughs> end-to-end testing. Okay. Um, which, for example, if you have a PHP backend and a JavaScript frontend, yeah. uh, which is the, the case for a lot of uh, applications these days, um, you want to make sure that if someone clicks a button which triggers... Uh, uh, a, a request to the back end, which does something which responds which does yeah. something in the front end, you want to test that as well so the the uh, actual integration from the from one application to the other um, which is yeah even harder to test but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah of course, and I think um to, to make it, it's important to make clear uh, with your team uh, what levels of testing you want to apply and right. what each level of testing should do, uh, because I've worked in teams that um, just had the level of um, unit testing and the level of integration tests, uh, where the integration tests were just everything else, which was not just um, not a um, unit test right <laughs> so uh, i can't I can't remember if they actually did this end to end testing you uh you described, but right. um yeah uh, it, it's good to to discuss with your with your team
1: right and uh, there's also one more uh form of testing that I didn't really mention, which is usually called acceptance testing, which is most of the time done by humans okay yeah, um so you deploy your application to a pre production environment somewhere mm-hmm. and just click through the application yeah. or whatever. Um, this is also a form of testing and sometimes there are dedicated testers within a company uh, or a testing team yeah. um, which makes the, um, the, the requirement of end-to-end or functional tests a bit less because there are actual humans testing the application. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in some cases you just want to automate everything and and yeah, just yeah. have uh, yeah. automated tests. So <laughs> Just like all the other topics, I guess it, it depends oh. on your situation. Yeah. Okay.
0: Thanks a lot. Um, I, I think we we covered some nice topics about testing. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, people should have a look at our session, uh, session about uh, writing testable code because there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and l- like everything we discussed uh those are all opinions and there's no single source of truth in in this particular uh, topic. So um, I think it's important to discuss with your team all different kinds of uh, things we discussed and how you want to implement them in your code base uh, and not just uh, take the approach uh, we've shown uh, or discussed.
1: No. Because like we said a lot of times, it depends on on your case. So uh maybe some of these topics will help you. Um maybe it will start discussion about um, what is best for you. Mm-hmm. Uh but in any case, don't don't take our word for it. <laughs> Try and experiment yourself and uh, and see what works for you. Yeah. Okay. Um I think
0: that's it for today. Um thank you very much for uh for being here uh, with me, Tiago. And uh um, I hope to see you uh, next month um, in our session about um, hidden complexity in projects. Um, The session is called It's Simple, Isn't It? Um, I will be talking with uh, several people uh, involved in the software development uh, about how complex, uh, easy stuff might be when you start implementing it or start discussing it. Um, If you like what we're doing, uh, please become a Patreon and uh, sponsor us. And that will also give you free access to the uh, archive of the uh, live streams. Thank you very much. And I hope to see you next time. Bye. That's it for this month. Thanks for listening. If you like what we're doing, please share our links on social media. Also, please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app and follow us on YouTube. And you can also support us financially on patreon.com slash ingewikkeld. See you next month.